Okay, so welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Uh, I am your host, the Afro Boy, the host of the Lost African Podcast, um, Prince of Afro Unity. And I want to talk about um, the book that I just finished, which is an immaculate book. Um, especially if you're uh, a new person that's on the journey or trying to find out about uh, your Africanness, how it blends in. Um, with your culture or, or the diaspora version of your culture, right? So for me, because I'm an African-American, an Afro-American, um, how it blends in with my Black culture. And I came across this book actually due to uh, The Breakfast Club. And the fact I'm a spiritualist, very uh, devoted to learning um, African spirituality because I felt that it was based and taken from me as a choice to whether decide to only uh, adopt alternate versions of, of religion or spiritual customs or to have my own preset customs before I came to what they call the new world in a lot of books, right? Via my ancestors, which is how you have the development of black culture in general. And it's really basically the, in, in my eyes, what I got from it was the untold story uh, of forgotten African spirituality. Um, it's blending in historical factors uh, via the Atlantic slave trade and basically I, I would like to use the term African uh, mythology. And it is based around uh, how she is known as one of the Orishas um, or based out of the Yorubas, which is the African um, and Yoruba is a part of present day Nigeria customs. Um, shout out to um, my Nigerian brothers and sisters because over, over a quarter of me is Nigerian. So like literally, um, more than a quarter, one fourth of me comes comes from there or that bloodline or the people who practice uh, this based in this religion or who believe in her powers and her customs, right? Which is funny, and I'm talking um, about her and there's a uh, black woman or Afro woman um, behind me. Uh, but her name is Yemeya or Yemoja, or um, if you are uh, Afro-Caribbean or black Caribbean, um, some would even call her uh, Mami Wata. Uh, so like Trini's, Trini's might know her as Mami Wata. Um, but she's basically uh, an African goddess or guardian. I like to use that term because there is, people forget that there is a basis in African spirituality or any African religions are based around African spirituality. There is one God, that there is one creator. Okay, they do believe that there is a higher power who created all and uh, the Orishas, or, or in this case, Yemenya is one of its uh, guarded protectors of the African children and all of African descent. So in the, in the story, they literally start from the beginning. They start to where... Uh, what you'd call um, 
European outsiders or outsiders, they come into the motherland. Um, they have these odd or, or um, different uh, tools at the time that they called them. And they started taking us. And they're taking us from the motherland. Um, and Yemenya at the point in the story, because it's somewhat, like I said, it's historical fiction. Uh, so please don't take everything I say as far as accurate, whether you do practice the religion or not. I'm based, I'm doing this on the book review. Uh, and if you haven't read the book, please go read the book. Um, there are some things that I will leave out only because the mystery will make the ending so much better when you find out who these people are, who they're related to, um, especially if you know history as far as when we go on. Um, but you may all have to watch this happen, you know, because of, uh, I guess, divine ruling and, and so forth in regards to you have to let fate be as it be. It has to play out this way, right? Um, so she's watching um, her kinfolk or her children in, in some people's eyes um, get taken away and put on ships. But here's the thing, and the, and the beautiful thing about the very beginning is that what she does uh, as uh, the goddess or guardian, she says, I can't abandon them. They may not all know that I am here. Some only know or may all of them may know as their current presence or current being, but I can't abandon them, right? So she latches on um, to the ships that are going on to the new world. She latches on to the ships, she does it, and she just, she follows them on. She says, uh, my people need me, I need to watch over them. I need to know that they're okay, right? or in some way, right? I, I need to know about their well-being. And there's a moment, because I'm, I'm only gonna talk about some parts, the parts that touch me the most, which is why I give this book five stars. Uh, there's a moment in which where we always talk about uh, the ancestors that jump ship, right? This is also mentioned. And there's a moment where uh, one African enslaved or enslaved African woman, she jumps ship. She jumps ship, and you may all can't see in, in this form, she's she's literally one, right? She's, she, she hasn't had her realization um, in full as her powers and who she is. She is just one entity at this time. So they, they jump ship, she throws her baby, and she jumps ship, right? Because she, she just she doesn't want to do this. She wants to go back to the motherland uh, and so forth. What Yemeya does is that Yemeya or Mamiwata, if you if you are Caribbean, um, she saves the baby. And the baby, in my eyes, metaphorically, is all of our bloodlines. She saves the baby and allows that bloodline to live on. Yes, the descendants of that line may go through uh, tremendous and unspeakable uh, atrocities, but she loves her children, her kin, 
enough to say that you need to live and I'll protect you so your line lives on. So she saves the baby. And uh, the other enslaved Africans, you know, hoist down the little neck to bring the baby back up. And um, she gives she gives the baby back, puts the baby back on the boat, right, in hopes that uh, they'll survive because she cares for them, whether they know she's there or not. Um, and then we get we get to the new land, right? We get to the new world. And she comes across a tribe of people who know who she is, who's aware of her presence, who's aware of her identity and so forth and so on. And they, they guide her um, through the experience as she walks among her people. And what I got from it was throughout the book, which touched me the most was saying that everything that we experienced, uh, whether we were aware of our, our protectors, our, our spiritual uh, guardians, were there or not, they experienced it all with us. Every whip, every lash, every uh, destructive and tremendous moment as far as us being torn apart for one another from, from our kids, uh, our brothers, our sisters, as far as in our ancestral lines, how we got sold off into uh, different parts of the state, different parts of the country, different parts of the world. Um, and she experiences all of that pain with us. She gets, she gets lashed, she gets enslaved, she gets whipped. She experiences it all. All of our pain she shares with us, including all of our love, because this is a blended uh, love story also. Uh, there is a male character by the, uh, by the title, uh, Obatala. And I won't tell you who Obatala is, but Obatala is also just as special as Yemeya, who also goes through the journey as far as on the male side. Um, but I always will recommend this book. I especially recommend this book to a lot of black women um, because it's more so based uh, around the black woman's perspective. It's very womanly, but if you are into African spirituality and you're like me, you'll love the book regardless. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, especially um, when you grew up in a culture, um, which is my black culture, where black love is sacred. So the love between a black man and a black woman, um, we hold very dear. And a lot of people think that, well, we don't understand why you hold it very dear. Uh, I can think of one reason why we hold black love very dear. This is more historically accurate. I believe that one of the main reasons why we hold black love in regards to this beautiful uh, metaphorical version of black love very dear is because if we showed affection 
during the beginning all the way to the end of the transatlantic slave trade or American chattel slavery, we will be separated from our lives, our, our wives, my bad, not our lives, our wives. We could not show affection to our wives because that meant that we, in this place of torment, of no enjoyment, that we are having some form of happiness. So we could not uh, express love, whether it's a physical form, emotional form, or mental form. You know, those untouched uh, conversations, those just sitting in your presence type of communication. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why I believe that we always say Black love is very special, which also translates into why uh, I believe in the basis of post-traumatic slave disorder, because this is a generational effect and feeling that we still say today, Black love is sacred. We make sure that you remember or don't forget or cherish why we say that. Even though we, to this day, we have a long way to go uh, with our relationship universally um, as black men and black women. Um, but there's another part to where she, she gets, uh, she escapes and she gets to uh, what they call a, uh, uh, Freedom House or Stop on the Underground Railroad. This is where you get into more historical factors based that blend into this uh, African spiritual fictional tale, right? So she goes on the stop and of course, you know, the, the owners of the house are white because of the time period. This is like the 1950s and 40s, still slavery. Um, but this is during the Underground Railroad, that time period. And she gets to one of the stops. And unfortunately, she's she has she she only knows them as African people. So we're always referred to as African. We're always, and when she's speaking to others, she always says, Are you, oh, I've met another African woman or African man. So she's having this conversation with this enslaved girl and this she understands what she's trying to say because they do, even in this time, have a concept of, okay, we got here via slavery. We were taken from the place that is called Africa that is, that is mostly worldly known by that title. But the biggest thing was that what ends up happening, which is seen in some forms of a betrayal is that Slave catchers come and find Yemeya. They find Yemeya, and Sarah at this point uh, is just in her corner as, as far as she doesn't want to be seen um, as being the betrayer. Her head is down in the and the you know the the law of shame. And what I got from that out of a metaphorical moment is that because she knows not who Yemeya is, she cannot see her, and I mean truly see her. She cannot understand 
the betrayal that she is doing, not only to who she sees as a, another black woman in this uh, storyline, but also um, as a part of her Africanness. She can't see it, she can't recognize it. So therefore, the emotional tie while the betrayal is going on, they don't, you can't feel it just yet. And that is on a bigger scale as when a lot of us, especially me being an African-American, and I mainly speak from my perspective, I do not speak, as a disclaimer, I do not speak as a roundabout, um, one-voiced African-descendant man as far as I'm speaking for the diaspora, I'm not. I'm speaking more so um, from the subgroup of the African-American or Black American because I, I see this. We walk in this world among our kinfolk, our uh, metaphorical siblings. We go past these black people, these African descended people from different parts of the world. But because of the walls that were created in our psyches, via where we were landed, the country we were born on, the culture that we were born into, uh, that did not get to share why we are of one people, they're like blinders. So even though a lot of my people, they'll walk right past a black man, but because he is from somewhere else, they will not always view him as kin. They will not always view him as a sister, as a brother. There was literally a story on TikTok that says this. There was an African woman saying that I called uh, another black woman, sister, but she instantly got upset. She's like, I'm not your sister. I'm not from Africa, so forth and so on. You are not of, of the same. And it saddened me to hear that because the funny thing is you, you're, you still say it. If you're African-American, what do we say? This is an old, old term. We've always said, even before Black Panthers, before Garveyites, in the depths of slavery, we referred to each other as what? We said, how are you doing, brother? With an A. And how are you doing, sister? We've always done that. But just because you know where she comes from, it's not the same. You, you see what I'm saying? That's, that's the error. That's one of the biggest things that I try to debunk. But that is also why I, I walk the path of unity under recognition and knowledge of self and knowledge of self-connection. Because I don't want to, I will never want to take away from your individuality of being whatever part of the diaspora you're from, whether you are Caribbean, be proud to be Caribbean, be proud of your Africanness that has blended into your Caribbean culture, whether it is Jamaica, um, Bahamas, Cuba, Haiti. And I always want you to be proud of your individuality. Same with me. I will never uh, say that I'm not proud of my black culture. My black culture comes from a lot of struggle and strength. 
But what I love about it now is that I understand my Africanness and the spiritual connections that it has, that it's in. It's in depth in our food, it's in depth in the music, it's in depth in the way we dress. We just have our own little individual twist to it. But you have characters like Moses who guides and says this in a metaphorical manner. There are characters like Moses who says, all who come with me on the Underground Railroad, you'll find out who Moses is. All who come with me on the Underground Railroad, we are kin. We are one family. You are my brothers, you are my sisters, you are my children as fathers, whether you are mine or not. And on this journey to freedom, we walk this path as a family. You did not have to be birthed from my mother. But on this path, in this moment, we are family, right? See how the concepts come along? And at the, around the end, there's a moment to where I find my spiritual core. There is a moment where there's an uprising. And in that, they all come together. They get strength from Yemeya because she's in the realization of who she is, what she's meant to do, what she's meant to be to her people. And they go forth and they fight for what is theirs. They fight for their freedom. And that right there, I understood the core of why it was important for me to either read this book and start learning African spirituality. Because I always knew, I said, well, why did they take away our names, right? Because if you don't know your name, your African name hold or held uh, a meaning. It would be um, peace. Your African name, it would be translated into meaning peace, meaning love, meaning um, mother of, of children or so forth, something very unique, very special to the tribe as to how they wanted your life to uh, be perceived and your path to go. Your African name mean it meant a lot. So I said, uh, why did they take it away? But that's my piece. Uh, I'll holler at you guys later. I'm the host of Lost African Podcast, and I'll see y'all later.